Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Fonlico, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Bet Online, and Blue Chew. My man, how are you doing today? I am great. It is, uh, we just actually had like a real sporting event. Uh, I know. I, uh, I loved it. I spent a lot of time in front of my TV. Yeah, me too. I was going to ask you, how much of the draft did you actually watch? Um, not as much of round, I mean, not live as much of round one, because I was, I wake up at an absurd hour during the week. Right. So, uh, <laughs> probably the first like 12 picks around one. And then I, I watched it the next day because it right, was up on right, ESPN. I so I, I rewatched it a little bit the next day and then round two basic round or day two basically all of it and then day three i was in and out i uh i definitely was watching early sitting there just saying all right when's tyler johnson getting picked when's tyler johnson getting picked kind of like you were were. when you were with eno benjamin that's what i was doing with tyler i had to wait a little longer than you did (laughs) yeah but yeah (laughs) um but i mean i was sitting there and i probably watched a good I mean, probably three hours of it. It was uh, in cumulative on Saturday. Yeah, it it was. I mean, what else was I doing? So it was on. So I was doing that. I was doing some work stuff, um, helping out my wife with stuff around the house. But yeah, for the most part, a lot of my weekend spent watching uh, Roger Goodell sit in a chair. Yeah, eating M and M's. Yeah. So Thursday, I I watched the whole thing, and it was weird. Like my wife had to run out time. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Mountain time is the best for for watching sports, by the way. But my wife had to run out to the store to get some essentials because it was we were we were at that time. So I'm sitting down with a beer, watching what felt like sports. My wife was leaving for the evening, and I was like, "Holy shit, this feels normal. This feels like a normal day. What is going on in the world?" Like it was it was bizarre. And then, uh, I mean, so much so that I had to go out a couple days later. I think Sunday I went out and I had just been watching three days of sports and things felt normal because I don't usually miss the draft. Like I cancel plans and stay at home. So uh, so I went to the store to pick something up and I like got out of the store and I'm walking like, oh, my God, I forgot my mask. I had to run back to the store. I mean, run back to the car to get my mask. But like all of a sudden life felt normal. So it's kind of cool that sports can do that. I, I watched all of Thursday and Friday night and then like yeah, Saturday I, uh, I was doing some yard work and stuff. So I was in and out. I was trying to catch all the Seahawks picks. Um, man, they had a pretty, you were so mad at that. I was pretty mad at that, at that draft. I I liked some of their later picks a little bit better, but drafting two tight ends and, uh, just felt like garbage felt like a lot of reaches. I just, I was, uh, I was angry, especially like Tyler Johnson sitting there forever. They could have grabbed him. That would have been super fun. Even grabbing Eno Benjamin. I'm not a huge Dallas guy. So, um, yeah. DJ Dallas, it is not the Dallas, the city. Although I'm not a big fan of Dallas, the city either. Sorry for all you out there. I uh, I live there or close there. Way to just while. like really oh, yeah. upset like one Absolutely. and a half of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I I lived there and I can say it's fine. It wasn't for me. Um, I do want to say, uh, speaking of things that aren't for me, I want to tell you something that is for me, and that's Rotoviz Overtime. Um, you guys are all aware that Sean and Calm are nearing their hundredth episode. So to mark the grandiose occasion, the Rotoviz Radio Podcast Network is giving away 10 one-month subscriptions to rotoviz.com. And let me just tell you, you can do a lot of work with those tools um, in one month. So this is an awesome prize. So if you're already subscribed, they'll add it to your subscription. If you aren't signed up yet, you'll get that one-month free subscription. So definitely do that. And to, to be entered to win that, all you have to do is rate and review the podcast on your podcast app or retweet a podcast uh, tweet on the Rotoviz Radio Twitter feed. Uh, more tweet, more retweets. I'm struggling here, Matt. More retweets equals more entries. So Your just remember, form. yeah, just remember uh, 
to to retweet some of those Rotoviz Radio Twitter feed mentions of their podcast or rate and review the podcast. And I recommend you do both. Um, and then just for everyone else out there, Rotoviz Radio listeners can receive 10% off a one-year Rotoviz subscription by applying the discount 2020 RV Radio at checkout. Again, we use uh, Matt and I both use those tools over on Rotoviz all the time for our different articles and just doing research in general. It is such good stuff. What is your current favorite Rotoviz tool right now, Matt? Which one are you going to the most? I mean, I'm always a box score scout guy. I go to that yeah. tool literally every time. Um, I did think I got to actually look at the name of it so I don't say it wrong. But uh, the Running Back Prospect Lab—that's well, what I've been using that's a, a lot. That's a really good one. But uh, the and they actually for anyone who's a longtime Rotoviz user. We've actually made that tool way more user friendly. It used to be one of the better tools that we had actually like value wise, but then it was um, probably my least favorite tool on the way it displayed. So it used to be this like sure. it would it would shrink down. You couldn't actually get to it, but uh, like there it, it wasn't great. Um, but I think like for since I, I mean, I brought I came up as a redraft guy. I've always been a big like I started doing best balls a few years ago. I think our weekly like player explorer data uh, tool, which trying to get the name, but my internet's terrible today. Uh, the weekly stat explorer and the player stat explorer. Those are great tools. They've always been uh, some of my favorites. And uh, ever since we brought them out, those are very, very helpful. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I've been using the prospect lab a lot just because I've been looking at a um, bunch of running backs uh, from this class, seeing who they kind of, what kind of comps they have with players coming out uh, or players that have come out, just players with closest projections and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, I, I use it in my uh, recent write-up of Eno Benjamin. They got me all excited about him just to be disappointed when he got taken in the seventh round. So, I mean, know. I did tell you before the oh, draft, no, you did. I was like, you were like three round three, four. That's pretty solid. I'm uh, like, I, I don't thought, think he's getting drafted then. Uh, I thought he'd go in the fourth. I'll be honest. I, I was, I was a lot. I, it's mock drafts are very weird because I think that as you start to get past like day two day, like into day, early day three, a lot of these mock drafters, they know offensive players. Right. They know them a lot better than they know arbitrary, like non power five offensive linemen. They know them sure. a lot better than the fourth leading tackler for Florida. So when you start to get like further and further down, you see this inflation in offensive thing where you guys, <clears throat> where you start to see these guys that people just know push up. And yeah. a lot of the times it doesn't correlate with how the NFL is actually going to draft. So I think that's a, I'd actually, I've done no research on this. Um, this is just my like very it's narrative basis, but it seemed, I would say, if you look at year over year drafts, you tend to see some of the guys that were productive college players are a little higher in the mock draft tools um, than they actually get drafted. Yeah. I mean, like I was surprised that DJ Dallas went in the fourth round and Eno didn't. <laughs> just, well, that's because your team sucks and they don't know I what know, they're doing. That's that's fair. Can I, I actually, I know you're an Ohio State guy, obviously. Yeah. What's your NFL team? I don't have one. Just who, to, do whoever you have the most shares I mean, of in fantasy it, football. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Jordan and I uh, we're, are both the same. We are now both uh, former uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. He went former? He's He still Ooh. considers himself a fan, but he that yeah. they're like the ninth team on his priority list. Yeah, sure. Um, I am similar in that sense. I... Uh, I still root for them on occasion, but the team became very unlikable for me. So I stopped rooting for them. If I were to tell you a team that I'm like rooting for the most right now, it's not going to surprise any road of his listener. It's the Cleveland Browns. Um, but that's I, like I said, I don't live in like, I don't care who wins games. It's sure. all about teams that are fun players that are fun. So right now, probably my favorite team to watch is the Ravens. Yeah, and uh, they made a pick that's going to make me like them even more. They made two picks that made me like them even more. And we're going to talk about them in a little bit. We'll save that for later. We've got a good show for you guys today. We're going to get into some rookie discussion here. We're going to go over our top 10 in both Dynasty 
and redraft because it is a little bit different. And I'll have Matt explain kind of what he looks for in those two different formats. Then we're going to roll through some of our favorite landing spots for, for these rookies that were picked, talk some winners and losers. And then we're going to finish up the show just talking about running backs uh, that were drafted to teams that have a current player uh, that's on the final year of their contract and what that might mean for the future. So there'll be some good stuff in here. Um, I'm really excited, Matt, to to hear your thoughts. Before we jump into the rookie discussion, though, what was kind of the most head-scratching pick uh, during the draft for you? What was the one that you looked at and you were like, what the hell are they doing? So I'm going to give, oh, do you want most? I've got three. I mean, I think everyone's going to say Packers Jordan Love is one of theirs. Well, so that's, we skip that that's one. one. Number two is Josiah DeGura from them. Mm-hmm. Um, that dude should have been a seventh round pick. I think he's good. I think he's talented, but that dude should have been a seventh round pick. And they hate Aaron Rodgers, apparently. <laughs> yes. And then what was the last one? Oh, it was another It was another one. Uh, it was another tight end, I should say. Uh, Dalton Keene to the Patriots. I don't understand what the heck they're doing. Um, I understand they need pass catchers. I don't understand why in the deepest wide receiver class of all time, they didn't take a wide receiver and they took they two took tight that. ends in the worst tight end class ever. Yeah. I did not understand the Patriots or the Packers draft from top to bottom. And uh, the one that I thought was kind of weird, and maybe you can help explain it to me, but I didn't understand Jalen Hurts uh, going as early as he did. seemed kind of crazy to me. So... I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast, um, but I'm going to claim I did because I definitely said it in my personal life. Jalen Hurts is this year's Dak Prescott. And I don't necessarily mean that he's going to come in and be the, he's going to take over for them and all of a sudden lead them when Carson Wentz gets hurt. But he's a very experienced quarterback. He's athletic and he has enough like leadership ability that you can drop him into a situation that if He's something were to such occur, such a turnover machine. Was he? I mean, I feel like it. I feel like we're every about to, game we're about he to was... play this game called how many, uh, how many interceptions did he actually have in his? Well, and fumbles. Fumbles is the one I remember the most. Like I was rewatching because I needed sports in my life last. Shocker. Not it was like two weeks ago. Who knows? It could have been a month ago. It could have been yesterday. Time is irrelevant these days. Yes. But I was rewatching the Oklahoma Baylor game. And like the one where they lost, where OU lost. And he just is like fumble after fumble. And it just, I was like, oh yeah, this guy, turnover. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Well, they we don't have fumbles it. on college football reference, which screw you, college football reference. That doesn't so we'll just assume, feel. we'll just assume I'm right. <laughs> we'll just assume, yeah. But I mean, he had 20 career interceptions. Um, and I think that's largely because in his passing game is always going to come down to short passes or bombs and intermediate is tend to be where you find i guess someone who throws a little bit more picks but i don't know i think there's there was a a growing belief and a growing sentiment that he is this year's dak prescott so yeah i was right about that you can be right about he was he fumbled the ball a million times yeah but Uh, no i i was a little bit surprised at that landing spot i was really hoping he was the guy i wanted to go to the patriots and he was the guy I wanted to go to the Saints. Those are the two teams that I was sitting there like, come on. No. Okay. He went so to I, a team where he might be a backup. Yeah. I looked it up. He was tied for the second worst for quarterbacks for fumbles loss with six. So eh, anyway. Not that worried about six fumbles. Okay. Okay. I mean, uh, it's let's move bad, on. But it, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's not fine. Shea Patterson give the ball to the other team. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Shea. Uh, he's like, he's like I was, Step on his why are you talking about me? <laughs> why, why, why are you talking about me right now? Um, sorry, Shay. I know you're a big fan of the show, but um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, just talking about That's how we are it. ranking rookies uh, for Dynasty and Redraft. Tell me some of the differences you're looking at. I know it's probably obvious, um, but why is, which? Well, first of all, which one do you find easier to rank? And then which one... Um, yeah, what what kind of things are you looking for as far as like prioritizing in Dynasty versus Redraft? So there are a few extra things that you have to consider for Dynasty um, versus Redraft. In Redraft, it's purely, is there opportunity? 
how many, what percentage of that opportunity is he going to get in dynasty? There's a few extra variables like, um, like rugs is very low or rugs is probably lower than I would prefer in dynasty because if Derek Carr is the quarterback, he's going to have a lot of issues for his whole career. If Mariota's the quarterback, he still might have issues. So now I'm hoping that they get another quarterback in there to make him be optimized. So that's a that's a thing I take in consideration, but I have him so I have him 10th in my dynasty rankings. I have him 6th in my um in my redraft rankings and largely that's because look at that wide receiver core. It sucks. And I loved Zay Jones coming out of college, but there's no reason to believe in him. Uh, Hunter Renfro's a billion years old and uh, not very good at football. Um, he's fine. I just, I don't like him. I know. Um, we all know. <laughs> and uh, and then Tyrell Williams hasn't really ever broken out the way it looked like he should have. And which hurts my heart. So now you put in rugs. Rugs is, if you give him... 12 13% target share. You're talking about a guy who averaged pretty cl- I think he averaged like 20 yards per reception in college and he scored on a quarter of his receptions. That's bonkers. He no one should do that. But essentially the logic with him is get him in open space and who the heck is catching him. So, I have him a little bit higher in redraft because you have a little bit of touchdown variance with him. He's he's likely to get you probably three to four weeks in a year where he does something special. And so that gives him a little extra value because that's going to come in dynasty. However, it obviously slips and lamb who I did not rank in my redraft ranks because it's incredibly uh, crowded in Dallas. He's in my top 10 for uh, dynasty. And that's largely just because they used a first round pick on him. He was, talented coming out of school and he's probably at some point either Gallup or Amari Cooper is not going to be ahead of him on the depth chart. So now you're talking about a guy who has a little added value because he's good situation eventually or good quarterback situation and has draft capital with him. So that's why you have some of the things that are different. And then like Dobbins is a little bit higher in my dynasty ranks than he is in my redraft. And that's just because Mark Ingram is currently there and while I think he is a better player than Mark Ingram, I don't think he's going to come into 200 carries in year one. I think he's probably going to come into like 120. And then maybe by year two, year three, he's getting 200. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Ingram's you know, getting up to, you know, I think he's like going to be 31 pretty soon yep. here. So that makes sense. So why don't you give us your top 10 in Dynasty? So my top 10 in Dynasty is uh, Clyde edwards helaire at one. Um, that's pretty obvious. That was the perfect landing spot taylor at two dobbins at three jerry judy at four rieger at five acres at six justin jefferson at seven deandre swift at eight cd lamb at nine and henry ruggs at 10 cool so just looking real quick we only have i mean our order is different the the guy you've got on your list that is not on mine is justin jefferson uh instead i have uh michael pitt and jr on my list that one hurt me Uh, to leave off I love yeah, that. Yeah, I I also, and we'll get into this a little bit, but the landing spot just was very tasty for me. Yeah. Uh, my top 10 is uh, Taylor, number one. Uh, Hilaire. Oh, shit, is, I didn't have T. Higgins. Yeah, I know. Higgins isn't on mine either. Higgins Fuck is you, Ruggs, just, you're gone. Ruggs is not <laughs> in my 10th spot. Higgins is in my 10th spot. Part of the reason Higgins isn't on mine is I'm also just not a huge Burrow believer. You're allowed but, to be wrong. It's fine. Yes, I know. So I got Taylor, Hilaire, Dobbins, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Swift, Akers, Ruggs, uh, Rieger, and Pittman um, in my dynasty. So so that's kind of where I land there. Um, I do think Higgins would be the next guy on the list for me followed by Jefferson. I just, you know, I don't know what's going on in Minnesota, so it's hard for me to have a lot of faith in Jefferson. Uh, Diggs found it difficult to to really produce there at times last year. We say I that, we had some. it's not like he was know, bad. No, no, he wasn't bad. Just the, the consistency was lacking, and that yeah. does scare me. Um, so now let's go over to redraft. I'll go. I'll give you mine first in redraft, um, and then here yours. I, uh, I, I flopped. I, I flip-flopped them here. I start with Hilaire as number one because I don't think Damian Williams is going to offer as much competition um, as Marlon Mack will to Taylor. So Taylor is my two. Then Vaughn, who's not even on my dynasty list, 
he's my number three for redraft. <laughs> then Judy, Chenault, Akers, Judy, Swift, Dobbins, and Pittman. So it's quite a different list for me in redraft than it is in dynasty. Cause I think some of these guys uh, will produce this year, but may not be around for the long haul. And some of the guys on my dynasty, I really expect them to, to make a jump over the next two years. But let's hear your redraft and then you can, uh, we can kind of talk through some of this stuff. So I have Clyde Edwards, layer one Taylor two, because same logic. I just don't think Williams is as much of a threat as Mac. Uh, Judy three, Acres four, Pittman five, Rug six, Swift seven, Dobbins eight, Rieger nine, and Justin Jefferson ten. Um, kind of like you said. I, I mean, I don't think, um, I don't think Taylor's going to be the undeniable only lead back. So, since there's a chance that Edwards Alaire kind of a, gets to that point, uh, I do think there is a little extra value with him. I'm going to be blunt with you and just say, I don't think Kashawn Vaughn's very good. I think he is a uh, a plotting running back, and the only way he is going to see the field is if he's markedly better than Ronald Jones. I don't think he's markedly better than Ronald Jones. So, do you do you put anything into the whole uh, this regime drafted this guy and not the other guy? So that's why I'm gonna no. maybe give him a little I mean, bit yes, of a nudge. That there is value to that, but. The value is yeah. if that player is better. And I just yeah. don't think Kashawn Vaughn's better than anyone. Um, Akers. So I have Akers a little bit lower in my dynasty ranks than I do in my redraft ranks. And that's mostly because he is going up against Malcolm Brown and he is going up against uh, Daryl Henderson. We sung the praises of Daryl Henderson last year, but you know, what doesn't lie rushing attempts and he sure. got nothing. He was really, really not utilized. So I I just don't see a situation where he is magically becoming a threat. So RIP Daryl Henderson makes me sad. Um, They brought in a higher pedigree version of you. Um, Kind of sucks. I I think I would have rather seen them give the ball to Henderson significantly than give it to Akers because Akers proved that he isn't doing it. I mean, he proved he's capable of doing it all on his own at Florida state behind a terrible line, but he just went to another terrible line. And yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to struggle a lot at times and I think people are going to be disappointed, but I mean, if I'm in a redraft, there's a pretty decent chance. He's a top 24 running back. Sure. Sure. And then um, yeah, I, Pittman. I have LaVisca Chenault on my redraft and not on my dynasty because I think um, they just let, I think, Marquise Lee go in Jacksonville. And I think it's going to be Chark and Chenault might be their number two receiver right out the gate. I think he has the capabilities. I know he has an injury history, but um, I try not to draft too much based around that because, you know, it's one year. Anyone can get hurt. Uh, I think Chenault. Everyone has injury. Everyone is injury uh, prone until they're not. Well, and also it's not like the Jacksonville receiver core is you know, uh, a, a list of a bunch of top tier athletes that don't have injury concerns on their own. Like all these guys have had injuries recently for the most part, and none of them have really proven themselves beyond, you know, Chark had a good season last year, but Chark was um, I, I think, I think Chanel could be in for a lot of targets. Um, and so, so I have him on that list. Um, whereas, yeah. I like, <laughs> I actually did like that landing spot a lot. I thought he was yeah. a, good fit and he doesn't upset the existing balance in Jacksonville. I'm really curious what that team's going to do because there's so much smoke about them wanting to get rid of Fournette. So I know. much smoke. It just feels yeah. like it's sort it feels like if they don't trade him, it's just going to be weird. So trade him. Yeah, they need to because he's not like the he's not like the type of guy who puts in a bunch of extra effort anyway. They've had issues with him from the beginning. I'm sure this isn't going to help things much. So. No, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, and if you're talking about putting in extra effort, guys, I know you're all listening to this. We're all looking to last longer. Go a few extra rounds uh, in the bedroom. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work even faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. 
Plus, you don't need to go to a doctor's office or spend time waiting in a pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online uh, physician is free of cost, and once you're approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use a promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Right, and then even though you can take them on a full stomach, gentlemen, if you just got done chowing down on a huge steak and potatoes, maybe wait a while before you <laughs> go into the bedroom anyway. Just saying, just saying. Hey, hey maybe um, you need a little like, you got a carbo load before it. You're going that's to right. extra rounds that day. That's right. That's a very good point. And, uh, and speaking of, um, you know, our favorite pastime, let's talk about our favorite landing spots for uh, for some of these players. Uh, who are some of the who are some of the players that got drafted by teams that you just loved? What were, were, were some of the guys whose landing spots you think just works out so well? I mean, I'm just going to I'll start Kansas off with my absolute favorite, which is Clyde Edward Delaire to Kansas City. Uh, sure. You could make a legitimate case that he is a top five dynasty running back asset right now because that offense is going to be very good his coaches described him as a better version of brian westbrook and he is just i mean his competition is damian williams who has bounced around the league until he got there so i don't think you're at a huge risk that he's not going to be utilized and yeah, he's, I mean, we saw he's a very capable pass catcher when he had 50 receptions in his final season at LSU. Um, I, I mean, it's it's hard to argue that one. He went from probably the unanimous fifth running back in the class, maybe fourth if you weren't a fan of Akers, um, all the way up to, I mean, it's him and Taylor. And I can tell you that pretty much all the guys who I'm in drafts right now are telling me that they're going Edwards Alaire at one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because in a couple of the the Debbie leagues that I'm in, uh, we did, you know, did our auction or our Debbie drafts last year. And then, you know, you can't make any additions throughout the season. And so we're waiting now. And now we've got our rookie draft coming up. And he's actually available in so in, in, in both of those leagues, uh, those particular leagues, because last year, like in a three round Debbie league, like he wasn't really being taken. He wasn't really being looked at, especially in Superflex. So someone's going to come out <laughs> with a real nice haul oh, yeah. right there without having to have invested any years with Debbie pick. So pretty crazy. The uh, like, I mean, the same could be said for Burrow. Just their ascension this past year was, they was were, pretty incredible. They were one two in my uh, in right? my Debbie draft that I'm my depleted Debbie draft that I'm doing now. They were one two, and uh, because of hashtag brand. Uh, I didn't take Justin Jefferson at three because I had to take Chris Alave, but I love it. Uh, but, but yeah, it goes, I mean, it were... goes to show just how much can change after the draft. You yeah. Know? Like I, if you, that's the thing I always say about Debbie leagues is they are absolutely amazing. They're so much fun and you can find someone in the fourth round that is as valuable as a first round pick the year before. And you're also going to miss a ton. Like yeah. as much as I love Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson was a first round Debbie pick last year in a lot of leagues because we all loved his numbers and it made so much sense. And he was so great. And then he was a day three selection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so circling back to our favorite landing spots, I'll, I'll just go right into him. I actually really do like this spot for uh, Tyler Johnson in the long term, And the reasoning behind it is sort of because they've got Bruce Arians at, uh, uh, at head coach and words are struggling right now. So they've got Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians loves to throw the ball. So now you're talking about an offense where, yeah, right now he's behind Evans right now. He's behind Godwin. And let's say he's behind Howard and Gronk. So fifth option. So why do I like, he won't be behind Howard. <laughs> no one will be behind Howard. He might be, um, well, maybe, but so you've got him. So let's say he's the fourth or fifth receiving option. You're right. In year one, that's not great. But you're looking at, if you look at this year and all of a sudden he starts to develop this rapport with uh, Tom Brady, he starts to earn the trust of the coaching staff and he gets like 40, 50 targets. That's a huge win because maybe as he starts to prove himself a little bit further, Evan's contract comes up, they let him walk. Um, and all of a sudden now you've got him in a good passing offense where he's the number two. I think that's a it's a decent spot for him. Now, obviously, Brady's not playing forever, so you have to hope and pray right. that they bring in another quarterback that is competent. So 
I don't know. I thought that was a good landing spot about as good as it got when you're sitting on day three and everyone already had a receiver. I was hoping he was, I, we were texting back and forth. I was hoping that green Bay was like, yeah, we know he's going to fall. We're going to use one of our late round picks on him and we're going to get the steal of the draft. And it would have made still so didn't much do sense. It. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, no, I was still like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, uh, so we have the same one on here and I'll actually let you lead it, but we can talk about uh, your, or my boy and uh, your boy Pittman to India. Yeah, that was great. Uh, still, still one of my all time favorite players because his girlfriend retweeted me. So absolutely. Uh, that I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to have a lot of shares of Pittman because I, I see a lot of value this year for him. Uh, I mean, he'll be still, three? I, is he? I don't. I think he could be the number two there. Paris Campbell, fight me. Um, oh man, I don't know. We'll see. He could. I think Pittman probably is second in targets on that team, and I think the the value in him is that he is big and he's kind of their biggest receiver. So if you're talking about someone who is going to get into that Eric Ebron role, where all of a sudden they become the target monster when it gets down to the red zone. There's your guy. Michael Pittman yeah. is just an, a much easier target than the relatively small T.Y. Hilton, the relatively small um, Paris Campbell. And so, T.Y. Hilton's 30 years old now. So I think, I mean, yeah, not to say he's going to have a bad year. He's also been struggling with a lot of injuries. I just think it was a great spot for Pittman, especially with new quarterback there. I liked what Indy did in general. I, I thought them getting East in there for the future was was pretty good too. So um, yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I'm gonna have a lot of Pittman shares. I think universally, uh, Rieger to Philly was pretty beloved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rieger was obviously one of the big analytics guys. He had a pretty substantial drop off in his production during his senior year. But the one thing that we all can, uh, point to is that his QB play was absolute garbage. I think yeah. I saw something. It was like 30, yep. mid, mid that. 30%. Maybe it was even lower than oh. mid 30. Um, of his targets were even considered accurate. So that's always a good sign when you're a receiver and people are judging you based on that. Um, So the drop-off is a senior year, but he also did, or his final year, but he did have production prior to that. Uh, Good player. Philly hates Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know why. I mean, I get it. He's injury plagued. He's a little bit old, but whatever. If Alshon Jeffrey is not on that team, I mean, is Rieger the one? Is Rieger maybe slot right in that one spot? Because I don't think it's Deshaun Jackson anymore. I'm pretty yeah, sure Ortega Nelson Whiteside is gone, doing anything. I'm trying yeah. to remember if Nelson Aguilar is gone. Yeah, he's gone. He went so, to the Raiders. So now you're talking about a receiving core that's not a whole lot. So Right. I mean, uh, they drafted a ton. But yeah, I thought that was a good spot I mean, for him too. Yeah. You, they used an early pick on him and... Right. Yeah, he's the clear winner for sure. So I, I really did like that landing spot. And oh, yeah, they brought in Hightower also. So, oh, and Quez. God, I love their draft. Their draft is fun. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so Rieger to Philly. Um, I'll let you say one of your other ones. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't mention Dobbins to Baltimore. I love this. Yeah, like for redraft, it's with, with for redraft, it's not super fun. But for Dynasty, oh my God, like I think this is this is great. Like, yeah, I think, you know, Taylor and CEH, I think have, have maybe more ideal landing spots, but this one's not far off. A team with a, a mobile quarterback that likes to run the football, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to mash um, as soon as next year uh, and probably the second half of this year, to be honest. Uh, I know they have Justice Hill there as well. I don't think Justin they Hill's want him. Dead. Yeah, I don't think they want to utilize Just him. It's dead. There are two right. running backs on that team, and it's Ingram and Dobbins. And then for the future, I think it's Dobbins, it's Dobbins and, and, and Hill Dobbins. will and and Hill will spell him occasionally. But for the most part, um, I just loved when Dobbins went there. I was cursing that I didn't have more early round picks in my upcoming rookie draft or uh, yeah, my rookie draft coming up because um, I did so well last year. I'm picking towards the end of the round, and he's not going to be there. But like, if I had the four or five pick, I would hope he slid to me. Um, but anyway, um, I liked Chenault to Jacksonville, which we already talked about as well. Um, and then the other Baltimore pick that I loved was, uh, Devin Duvernay. I think he's going to really play well there. Uh, tough kid, uh, play in the slot. I think, I think he's going to see a lot of targets from, from Lamar. Um, 
So I, I just think it'd be really fun. It, I mean, wide receivers in Baltimore kind of scare me a little bit, but for some reason, I think uh, Duvernay could really shine there. Um, I have two more. I'll hit them briefly because they're neither one super exciting. Devin Asai, 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 Asai. Oh, that actually is not a super difficult name. It's a New England. <laughs> it just looks weird. He was an athletic kid. He was a uh, he was smart enough to get out of Ann Arbor and go to UCLA. <laughs> Um, well, no, he's an athletic tight end. And I mean, Bill Belichick has had a propensity for using athletic tight ends in the past. So if he can, I mean, if they have a good quarterback this year, um, I Stidham sucks. Don't be happy if he's a starter, but if they have a quarterback this year, that's competent and he gets on the field at some point, I, I think it's a good spot. And then really late in the draft. Um, but one of my favorite, not that late in the draft. Wow. It was fourth round. Um, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I don't think I can talk enough uh, about him. I think I wrote about him 742 times this past year. He's awesome. Uh, He's old, but he's awesome. That receiving core in Washington, how do I put this gently? Is hot freaking garbage. That was gently. I didn't swear. (laughs) It's, It's very nice. But it's really bad. And for as much as everyone loves Antonio Gibson, he was a not heavily utilized player at Memphis. I know they announced him at running back. He has like sub 30 carries in college. He's just not, he's just an athletic kid. And for as much as we all love athleticism, athleticism doesn't have the same correlation to the NFL success as production does. Antonio gold, candy golden was hyper productive in college. I don't care that it was for Liberty. It could have been for middle Tennessee state university of Knoxville. I don't know. Put him in a terrible school. I get it. He he was productive at a low level, but he was also very productive. And the fact that he proved himself enough to be a relatively early day three pick rather than a seventh round pick is meaningful. So if you're getting a guy that's a little bit more polished, a little bit better, maybe he slides in and when Kelvin Harmon continues to not impress. Because they need yeah. a number two because Ohio State guys can't carry the torch without some help sure sure no i uh i i'm curious what it will be like i i was i liked haskins going into the year last year um my my faith has been shaken a little bit with the quarterback play we'll see what happens um how about some winners for you uh as far as some veterans after the draft some veterans that you think um value has increased over the last week or so my first one that I've, that, I mean, this is the obvious one, so I'll go for I'll go first with it so that we can get out of the way. But as we mentioned, Green Bay didn't draft a wide receiver. To me, Lazard is a big winner. I mean, yeah, it's hard to argue against that one. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, yeah, he, he definitely looks like the guy that is now going to be number two in targets for that team. So <clears throat> I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, I really mm-hmm. liked him as a prospect, but I don't know if that's a good thing. For that. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. I think his value value up. For his me. value went up, though. You are right. I think that yeah. is a guy that is became a more valuable asset. And if you were looking to sell him today, you could sell him today for more than you could have a week and a half ago. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about when we did our last show, and we were guessing landing spot for receivers. We were both trying to figure out which which high end receiver is green Bay going to get? We thought they might go first or second round with receiver. And the fact that they didn't do anything is, is very interesting. So I think one of the biggest winners of this draft is, is Austin Eckler. And Mm -hmm. we might sit here and say, well, they used a fourth round pick on a running back. They used a fourth round pick on a running back that doesn't really catch passes, uh, who is old and, uh, who is fine athletically. You know what that means? means they didn't draft another superstar. They didn't draft a Melvin Gordon who's going to substantially cut into Eckler's workload. They didn't draft a guy who's going to spell him on third downs ever. They drafted a guy that is there to every once in a while give Austin Eckler a break. Now, right. Josh Kelly may have killed all of the Justin Jackson hype, but mm-hmm. Austin Eckler was a big-time winner because if you were thinking he was going to get 200 carries this year, that draft pick did not scare you. Right, right. That's that's good. Yeah. Uh, another winner for me, kind of in the uh, same boat, <clears throat> well, a little different, but Miles Sanders. Uh, Philly hasn't really addressed the running back position. They're going to go with the guys that they had before, 
So I think that's pretty interesting for him. I, I wanted to get your pick. I thought both uh, Brita and Mostert were both winners um, after Brita was traded to the Dolphins for a fifth or sixth round pick. So it's going to be Jordan Howard and Brita kind of fighting it out. But to me, uh, that's probably less scary than having to deal with Mostert, um, Tevin Coleman, and uh, possibly Jarek McKinnon. So so for me, Brita's stock went up a little bit, and also Mostert will have one less back to share it with. So to me, both their values went up. How do you think that plays out for, for Brita and Howard? If Brita, honestly, if Brita can stay healthy, he is a much better running back than Jordan Howard right now. Um, I think he's still average. I think last year he was still over five yards a carry. Um, should probably go to pro. Um, but you're talking to me about a guy who is just a, a very good running back who joined the situation where they just brought in a guy who was, I mean, sort of unceremoniously let go from Philadelphia. I don't think anyone's super sad to see him go. And yeah, uh, the last two seasons, I know he was injured last year or not injured, but didn't play all 16 last year. Um, but the last two seasons, Matt Breida has averaged over five yards a carry and he's still at five yards a carry for his career. Uh, yeah. I just think there's, when you're talking about guys like that, they, they're going to get on the field. He's a, he's a decent pass catcher. He's probably going to get you somewhere in that like 30, 40 targets range, which is probably more than Jordan Howard's going to get. I just think that was a really good landing spot for him. And I think that Jordan Howard is kind of back to the role he's been in for the past couple of years. He'll yeah. get you seven to 10 touches per game, 10 being not super frequent. And see, I was going to say eight to 12, but we'll see. I, I guess I have I a little bit more. I guess I have a little bit more faith in him. He's still been a productive that, running back. He's pretty good for the Eagles. It, I mean, is that offense going to be good enough know. this year that you're sitting there wanting to get? I don't know. <laughs> the guy who was seven. Because that was, and I, I mentioned. Tua is, Tua is like close to God for me. So uh, maybe, maybe yeah, they'll be great. Not the starter this year. Um, at least not, not at the beginning of the year. Well, it depends when the beginning of the year is, my man. <laughs> I mean, that's true. When we start our season in December, Tua right. will be fully healthy. Um, uh, no, but I mean, that was the argument I had. As someone I was yeah. arguing with in the uh, Dynasty Command Center Slack chat, which, by the way, is a great place to be, but he was really mad that J.K. Dobbins didn't fall to Miami because in Baltimore, you're like, you're going to be in a committee there. You're going to be in a committee. And my logic was, would you rather have 200 carries in Baltimore or 270 carries in Miami? And I think the answer is you'd yeah. much rather have 200 carries in Baltimore. So yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about how that offense is going to be. And maybe in, maybe in 2021 breed is in a really good spot. Yeah. Or they take Etienne in the first and it's, <laughs> it's a mute point. <sighs> yep. Uh, but, what about um, some losers for you? Well, wait, I wanted to get, I did actually pull okay, together a couple okay. other winners and they're both receivers and they're both meh. Um, Marvin Jones, they didn't draft an early receiver, which means that he is still the quality number two. Uh, and Brandon Cooks, they didn't draft a lot of receivers or they didn't draft anyone until late, uh, which means I think he's the one in Houston, which is great news for him because yeah. he was not the one in LA. So um, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, the biggest loser, and it's because his team hates him, is Aaron Rodgers, and has yeah. absolutely nothing to do with uh, him. Uh, doesn't have to do with uh, the fact that they're going to replace him in year one. It's the fact that for some reason, they had no desire to get him a wide receiver. Right. None. I mean, they have they do have one of the greatest wide receivers in the league on their team already. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. But yeah, definitely. Uh, you need a second. Definitely agree with you. Well, uh, I, you don't like Devontae Adams? He is, but do you think, I, I think, but do you, can you win with one receiver? No, no, but I'm just saying like they do, it's not like they don't have anyone. It's not like the closet is completely bare. Well, I, I mean, would you rather very, have, very good, would but... you rather have DJ Chark, DD Westbrook and LaVisca Chenault or Devontae Adams, Lazard, and I don't even know who else is there. Honestly, yeah, I think oh, no, no, that... it's. I would rather have multiple fast guys. Like Who's the big guys. guy? Who's the big guy? Oh, Funches. They got Funches. Funches. Baby. Funches <laughs> sucks. Yeah, I also thought Aaron Jones was a loser. Um, not huge, 
But I did not like the fact that they spent a second round pick on a running back. As someone with a lot of Aaron Jones shares, a second round running back means something. It doesn't mean Aaron Jones is done. It does mean he's going to see fewer carries. And I was already worried about touchdown regression coming. Uh, I don't think that was a surprise. I don't think he's getting 19 touchdowns again. So adding in those two things made me a little bit nervous. So to me, those two Packers are are losers. What's another one for you? I think uh, one of the bigger losers for me is Michael Gallup because you have, you have Amari Cooper written down, but I actually question mark by it. Yeah. I think it's Gallup who gets squeezed out here. I think that if you look at that situation, they drafted really high on CD lamb and while I think that I think it's actually going to shift Amari Cooper inside, I think he's going to end up playing the slot. I think that just means that the volume of targets that Michael Gallup was getting at the end of the year is going to get pretty drastically cut into. So mm. maybe you look at the bigger loser in this is like any hope of Blake Jarwin. Um, I think it's Dalton Schultz is the other tight end, but pretty much the non wide receiver receivers is probably the biggest loser from this because they were starting to pick up the scraps that were left over from Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And now you're talking about what are those scraps going to be when the third receiving option is CD lamb. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's targets did go down last year. I know the year before that he had a ton of targets, but it'll be interesting to see what, what he's doing in the passing game too. Um, Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Um, my other one, you know, some of the obvious ones, and we'll talk about some of these guys when we get to our next segment, but, uh, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams, uh, the running backs who were, you know, the incumbents, uh, with these high drafted rookies coming in behind them. Those, those, those were also on my list. And, and I know you've got n- another one or two to talk about too. Which so, one? uh, who else? So my last one is Deshaun Hamilton, um, which sucks. Cause I actually was starting to buy a few shares of him this off season. Mm-hmm. Boy, did Denver decide that they were going to try so and just fun. score a million points. They have. We probably should have added Locke and Prescott to our winners category. Locke I mean, is both a of them winner. Are, but uh, yeah. so their first two picks, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, amazing. Um, they also add in Albert O, who is yeah. prior to this year, we all thought he was going to be one of the better tight end prospects coming out. And I was a little bit surprised to see him fall to the fourth, which is criticism on the fact that this wasn't a good tight end class it's really sad Calcaterra got uh hurt and missed out because he probably would have been the guy that ended up in Denver which would have made my brother-in-law so happy um (laughs) um, but this I mean this is for me when you look at this spot it's they decided they want Hamler or Judy to go in the slot one of those two guys and one of them is going to be on the outside and then they've got Cortland Sutton if you were still holding out hope that Deshaun Hamilton was going to, again, pick up more than just scraps, that's scary because they're right. not going to just abandon Judy. He's going to get work. Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton, we're all kind of pegging as this guy that's going to become awesome this year. And Next to Marius become... Thomas. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're seeing all these things. Who is going to be the superstar? Sutton's the superstar. Jerry Judy's the one at, or 1B. And then mm-hmm. KJ Hamler's your field stretcher. What does that leave for Deshaun Hamilton? I think if you're expecting anything more than cool wide receiver six, wide receiver seven for Deshaun Hamilton, right. sorry. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think yeah, he he's undraftable now for the most part, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let's uh, jump into this last segment. I've got an article coming out later this week that's kind of focusing on running backs that are on the final year of their contract, specifically with teams that just spent a draft pick on said position. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down in the order in which the teams selected their running back. So we're going to start with the Kansas city chiefs and we're only going to hit again, the teams that have a running back in the final year of their contract. So the Kansas city chiefs, Damian Williams is in the final year of his contract and they spent their first round pick pick one, uh, 32 on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So uh, just give me your brief thoughts and then give me a grade on a scale of one to five of how likely it is that this rookie will supplant the veteran. Maybe not this year, but signs that they probably won't be bringing back that running back or at least not with a starter paycheck. Like they're not getting the Ezekiel Elliott uh, kind of contract. So what do you think? Clyde Edwards Hilaire, one to five. I mean, it's a five. I think yeah. that... You didn't draft Edwards Alaire at 32 to not use him. And I say that 
knowing that I'm talking to a Seahawks fan who used a late first-round pick on Rashad Penny. Right. But you don't draft players that high to typically let them sit. And what you're talking about is a running back that might be the perfect fit for a team because he has a coach that has used his clone um, in the past. And that's Brian Westbrook. I think we've all now heard that comp about 750 times. But if you're seeing that guy as Brian Westbrook 2.0, I don't see a way where Andy Reid doesn't want to use him. And you're now talking about not aging Damian Williams, but also not young Damian Williams. So I don't know. I think in year one, it probably just says if you had any hope about um, Darwin Thompson, ooh, he might finally get. No, he's not. It's yeah, I mean, right. it's sad, but he's dead. Um, and I think Damian Williams, you're looking at as it's going to be a committee in year one. I think the one A is Clyde Edwards Alaire, and I think the one B is Damian Williams. And by year two, maybe year three, there's just a one. There's not a one A, one B. Yeah. I put a four only because I imagine Damian Williams won't demand a high contract. So I could see them bringing him back um, without having to spend a lot of money. And again, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire becomes the one a then, but there could still be a one B with that kind of lingering around. So let's move on. Um, The next highest running back taken was the Colts taking Jonathan Taylor, Uh, Marlon Mack final year of his deal. What do you think this means moving forward? I put this one at a five. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to definitely take over this. Uh, Maybe not this year. I wouldn't be surprised if they just run Mac into the ground, knowing that uh, they've got their future back with Taylor. And so give, put as much tread on those tires with Mac as you can this year, let Taylor get his of course this year, but uh, really groom him for the future. And then come 2021, it's the Jonathan Taylor show. That's my, that's my take. I think it. I think some of this will actually, and this is going to be a weird take, but some of this will be determined by how much of the season is lost, how much sure. training camp they get. Because if they, I think you're right. I think they run Marilyn Mack into the ground if they don't get a full preseason and they don't get a full training camp because you don't want to run your, your jewel, Jonathan Taylor, into the ground if he's not quite up to NFL level yet and he's not quite up to NFL level physicality yet. So now... If you say long-term, what do I think the answer is? I still think Jonathan Taylor is the 1A if we get a full season. If we get 16 Mm. games, Jonathan Taylor will lead that team in rushing. The sad, kind of sad part of this is Naheem Naheem Hines shares probably got a cut in value, and it's not necessarily because I think Jonathan Taylor is going to take much receiving from him. We all saw in college he's, he's a fine receiver. He's not a good one. Um, but Mac is proven that they'll utilize him there. And that's a way that you can still keep Mac involved if you want to get him on the field. And maybe that cuts into some of the target share that Heinz was going to get, which is disappointing because as we saw last year, Phillip Rivers likes to throw to a running back and Heinz would have been the perfect fit. But yeah, 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 that's, that's true. All right. Next we've got the green Bay Packers. They actually have both their running backs on their final year. Both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are on the last year draft. Uh, But yeah. And they picked AJ Dillon. Uh, So with the 30th pick in the second round. So can you give me a number for both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? I went um, one and five. I think Jamal will be gone. I think Jones will actually stick with the team. I think they will re-sign him. And I think it will be a shared backfield kind of moving forward. I think it's likely that Green Bay is trying to transition to more of a run-heavy offense. We've seen a lot of talk about that. So to me, it's a it's a one for Aaron Jones, a five for Jamal Williams. I think um, A.J. Dillon and, and Aaron Jones are going to be splitting that backfield in 2021. So I have a, a three for Aaron Jones um, and I have a 750 for Jamal Williams. I think Jamal Williams is not going to be with the team next year. I think that okay. what we've learned from this draft is that they do not see their backfield as Super Bowl level. And maybe the question there is which one of these two backs is likely to go. I don't know. I I think that Aaron Jones is still likely to be the one this year. But the thing that we all kind of forget is Jones wasn't a high draft capital pick. I'm pretty sure it was a fifth round. Um, And AJ Dillon looks sure looks like a two down back because he didn't catch catch passes 
in college. So now we're saying that, uh, how does it all break out? I think Jamal Williams is gone. I just don't think they see him as their top guy. I think AJ Dillon, depending on what he is capable of doing, he needs to impress very early. So I think there is a good chance that if Aaron Jones looks like he looked like last year and he comes out and plays like one of the better running backs in the league when he's given the ball, AJ Dillon isn't taking over as the one. And But if you're saying that you need someone to come in and spell him, I think they're just done with Jamal Williams. So yeah. that was a long roundabout answer to say that I have no idea with Aaron Jones. I, I'm hopeful that they keep him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we switched our numbers. I think um, I said one for Aaron Jones and five for Jamal Williams. Obviously those need to be flipped because five is the good number. So that is uh, oops on my part. Washington Redskins have Adrian Peterson on a contract here. Um, I think he's probably gone. Uh, personally, they took Antonio Gibson and who we talked about earlier, uh, second pick in the third round. So he went pretty early, um, in that third round. Uh, but even though I think Adrian Peterson probably won't be back with the Redskins, they do have quite a full running back room. I don't know how good it is guys. We haven't really gotten to see much of cause he's had so many injuries. Um, and then of course you've still got like Bryce love there. Uh, so, so who knows with that? I, I still would like to think love can be good. We've talked about him in the past. I know that you're not a huge believer. So, so what do you, what do you put on this one? What do you think the likelihood is of, I think he become. I think Antonio Gibson becomes very valuable. I don't think he, I, I don't think he becomes their leader, but I, I'll change my number because it's for, what do I think the likelihood is that he supplants Adrian Peterson? I'll give that about a four, I mean, a three or a four. So 3.5. Okay. Um, because I do think that Adrian Peterson is just aging and I think it's unlikely he returns, but I don't think it's really that he gets pushed out by Gibson. I think the more likely thing to push out Adrian Peterson and what this draft kind of proved to me is that they still have hope that Geis can be something. Yeah. Yep. So I think, I think Geis on. stays in the picture. I think he becomes your leading rusher. And I do, I, I really do actually like Antonio Gibson kind of falling into a James White or Theo Riddick type role. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, these next few, I think we can kind of speed up a little bit because they're not quite as, <laughs> quite as interesting, but in the third round, Tennessee Titans took Darrington Evans. Um, kind of cry. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, so I put gave this one a one because I I mean everyone in the world is pretty sure that they're going to sign Derrick Henry to an extension after the or during this year they're going to extend him. Uh, so I do not think that they're going to just hand the keys to the car over to Evans. I do think he'll play a third down role from time to time. I also put a one. I put C Henry comma Derrick. Yes, I think that's all we have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, Justin Jackson, who you mentioned earlier, is on the last year of his deal. So I think, as you mentioned, you know, it's probably uh, uh, goodbye, JJ. But as you mentioned, it's really the Austin Eckler show. So, um, yeah, I think I think you already mentioned it. Kelly will become the, uh, you know, the change of the it will become the Justin Jackson in the future. Yeah. So we both have a three for that one. Yeah. Yeah, James Conner, Pittsburgh Steelers. So this was the fourth round. They they drafted Anthony McFarland. What do you think about this? So obviously this year, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it for this year, but then also mainly, do you think they re-signed James Conner and what does that mean for the future? So I have a two because I think that the most likely outcome for this year is that they sort of become a committee. I think it may kill off all the Jalen Samuels and Benny, Benny Snell um, hype or any type of hope that you had for those two. But I also don't think Anthony McFarlane is good enough to take over for the team. So if you're asking mm. me, what do I think the likelihood is that Anthony McFarlane becomes the starter and James Conner leaves? I think that's a two. Do I think that James Conner comes back? Maybe not. But I, I think if they don't bring him back, then they're drafting a running back next year. Interesting. So yeah, so I put a four because um, I don't think they're going to re-sign James Conner. But I put, I think Pittsburgh might draft running back next year, in which case, who knows if McFarland is the guy. So I, I do think that Connor is out and McFarland will be their guy unless they find someone, which um, I, you know, what I wouldn't be surprised to see is this next guy that we're going to talk about, Chris Carson. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Pittsburgh next year. Um, but that's just a, a little bit of a hot take there. But um, let's, let's talk about it. Uh, the Seahawks took... DJ Dallas uh, in the with a 38th pick in the fourth round. So I think it was one of the very last picks in the fourth round. 
Uh, kind of what, what do you think they're going to do there in Seattle? I mean, they drafted a first round running back. Chris Carson started. Right. I'm not, I'm not scared <laughs> about a day three pick to knock off a proven player. If uh, I think Penny might be the eventual victim here, but if they both, if Carson and Penny both stay healthy, their depth chart is Carson, Penny, DJ Dallas. If, sure, but what about 2021? Then their depth chart is Carson, Penny, DJ Dallas. <laughs> so you think they'll be signed Carson? I, I don't see why not. He's not, I don't think he's going to be super expensive. He's unless in, if he has this amazing year, then they bring him back because you pay the guy who had the amazing year and you love running the ball. If he has a mediocre year, then he doesn't get that much money and he comes back because you've been using him for years. I, yeah. I think they're in a pretty good situation with him. Yeah, historically, they love drafting running backs and they don't usually like signing them to big deals. I mean, we saw the whole conspiracy theory over Marshawn Lynch not getting the winning touchdown against the uh, Patriots was because they didn't want to have to sign him big money in that offseason. <laughs> um, so I, I think with Penny still being there, I think if they see something they like out of DJ Dallas, I wouldn't be surprised if they let Carson walk and they go with Penny and Dallas and then maybe draft another rookie and kind of just go that route. So I put this one at a three. So I, uh, I'm i a little bit less... Um, I, and I love Chris Carson. I just think the Seahawks will move on from him. Uh, they, Yeah, but we'll see. They could also you know, make him the highest paid running back and it wouldn't surprise me. Let me ask you a fun question. So where did uh, DJ Dallas go to school? University of Miami. Okay, so he went to he went to Miami. Um, was he the starter there for three years? I don't actually know. I don't think was so. Was not, it Homer? Uh, Homer was you, who we all oh, also have. So the guy who was on that he was uh, Homer was the starter over DJ Dallas, right? Who uh, who got really any running time when uh, Penny and Carson were healthy? Not oh, Homer. <laughs> it was not Homer. So. I'm I'm just not I if you're do we think DJ Dallas is better than Homer if Homer started over him in college? I I don't really think so. So I'm not scared. Yeah, I I hated this pick. So I'll just I'll just let you know that. I, I just <laughs> that's that's the way you have to think about it is. I mean, yeah. is he that much is he good? No. So why I'm, I'm not scared Stop of him. You're making me that. depressed. Carson may leave. But it, I don't think he's getting chased out by DJ Dallas. No, I, again, I think it's going to more be Rashad Penny if he's able to get over this ACL injury. Um, and I think a lot will come down to that. And also, I mean, Chris Carson's dealing with a hip injury, so we have to see what all shakes out there. Finally, we had my boy um, Eno Benjamin taken by the Arizona Cardinals in the seventh round. Uh, Kenyon Drake is on the last year of his contract. I put a two on this one because I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. I mean, they've got so many running backs. Maybe they just won't throw the uh, run the ball at all. Um, but uh, so, so I don't think a seventh round pick is going to come in and, and kick Kenyon Drake out. I have no idea how expensive Drake would be for the Cardinals to resign. Um, but all that being said, I am going to be picking up as much, Eno Benjamin stock as I can, because he's going to be cheap and he could hit. I mean, Chris Carson, who we were just talking about was a seventh round pick. So you never know. So I'm really not scared of a seventh round pick. And I would say you're, when you're looking at, uh, you know, Benjamin, you're kind of looking at Kenyon Drake worse, uh, poor man's Kenyon Drake. So do I think he could fit well in that offense? Sure. Um, do I think he is going to be better than Chase Edmonds? No. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a situation where, Eno Benjamin is starting running back for Arizona Cardinals in 2021. Um, and I do think that they seem to be really a big fan of what they got in Kenyon Drake after that trade. So yeah, I kind of think that if Kenyon Drake can prove to not be brittle this year, Kenyon Drake's back in 2021 and leading the way. Great. I have some Drake shares, so that, that would make me happy. I also have a lot of Eno shares. I did write an article on Eno right before the draft, and I was shocked at some of the, the comps that, that were spit out by the, uh, the uh, running back prospect lab that we were talking about earlier. Like Some of the guys uh, on that list were like Alvin Kamara, Le'Veon Bell, Carlos Hyde, Eddie Lacy. So there were some really cool names on there. I got really excited. Uh, of course, Buck Allen, Jamal Williams, Dre Archer were also on there. So he might end so up more like a Dre Archer. <laughs> but 
yeah, it was fun though. It's uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this draft season. It's been like the NFL draft season has been really great. I think because there's been nothing else to watch, it's made it a lot more interesting. I've, I've definitely consumed a lot more content about it than I usually do, and I usually consume a lot. So it's been nuts. No, I, I really did enjoy this year. Um, I think we we've kind of all said we we've been looking forward to the 2020 draft. At least Jordan and I always used yeah. to talk about this was the big year. This was the year when it was going to be there. And I don't think we were wrong. I think that in a lot of years, Tyler Johnson probably is a a late day two pick. But I think the fact that this wide receiver class was freaking bonkers um, was the reason why you see guys start to fall. So, I I mean, I I really liked this year's class. I really liked uh, most of the things I saw. And truthfully, I, I thought it was it's it's interesting to me that the first round was kind of chalk. I don't think. Nothing really abnormal happened. I mean, with the obvious exception of Green Bay being stupid, but (laughs) everything kind of went chalk in the first round. And then things got a little bit crazy into day two. And by day three, it was just everyone going bananas and doing stupid stuff. Yeah, it was so much fun. Well, I'm not sure when we'll be back, but we will be back. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you get this in your feed every time it comes out. Um, I'm sure we'll do one in the next couple of weeks just so that we have an excuse to talk some football again um do uh take a second to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already and uh follow me on twitter stay fun laco matt where can people find you at wispy the kid cool i want to do that um again check out rotoviz got a lot of great stuff there a lot of fun tools that you can use to play around and, and figure out which guys you like which people you need to be moving up your draft boards and all that kind of stuff matt is there anything you want to leave the good people with by chris alave Yes, absolutely. Alave uh, for, you know, let's say forever, but yeah, let's not get political here. So let's just, let's just end on that note. Thank you guys so much. Stay safe. Uh, Keep those masks on and we'll be seeing you soon.